This is the Patriot Radio News Hour, brought to you by the Patriot Trading Group. For all your gold and silver buying needs, call them at 1-800-951-0592 or log on to allamericangold.com. Broadcast for Tuesday, July the 26th, 2016. Hey, good morning and welcome. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour, brought to you weekly, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m., 10 a.m. Arizona time. What do we do? The physical delivery of gold and silver. It's as easy as giving us a call at 1-800-951-0592. Or go check us out online at allamericangold.com. Take a look at all the products that we offer. And you know, the, the hard assets that we offer, that's not the only thing. We offer the Patriot Preferred Metals Program, where you can become part of something bigger than just yourself and take advantage of the buying power of many. You can take advantage of the IRA program, the Gold IRA. We have different products that we offer, and it's easy. Just giving us a call, asking about those types of things. This show is brought to you. The website is brought to you. The day-to-day service is brought to you by the one and only, he's the CEO, president of the company, Joe Jaquin. How are you on Tuesday? I'm recovering from vacation. vacation. Still recovering. You know, yesterday, it was probably, what, about so 2 o'clock in the, the afternoon. The vacation hangover? And I hit the vacation wall. The vacation hangover wall? <laughs> I'm like, I got to go. Did you, Let me ask you, did you party much on that cruise? Did you have a few beverages? Not really. You know what? Well, you're not known to do that much anyway. Not a big drinker. I mean, I'll have a few drinks, but not a, a big drinker. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. my wife, same thing. So, um, no, we didn't buy the, you know, they have all these packages out there. For $55 a day, you can have, well, they say unlimited drinks, but it's really, they stop you at 50. So, limited? <laughs> limited to 15 drinks. I don't, you know. My brother got the alcohol package, and uh, on several of the days, he reached the limit, which I didn't know whether to be sad for him or happy for him. He seemed to be excited about hey, it. Hey, he's on vacation. Right. But There's no rules. And he was getting his money's worth. Yeah, there you go. He's, uh, he's on vacation. I had a different approach. I tried to eat my way. That a boy. Right? I, I don't want to hear. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking this, this out in ribs and fillets. Maybe a little uh, seafood. I don't know. I know you're not a seafood guy, but whatever. So uh, we're, we're also happy to have you back. Well, happy you. to be back. Yesterday I hit that vacation wall and, and got out of here a little early and then uh, had headed up to uh, football practice for my 13-year-old, which somehow I've gotten roped into helping and... and uh, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how you get roped into anything. You're one of the best people I know that knows how to say no. I know. You are good at telling people no. I And I did everything but use the word no. You know, I'll help out if you really need it. Hey, listen, I don't know a whole lot about football. You know, I watch it on TV, you know, and no. Here I am. So there I am out there holding a, I don't know what to call, I don't even know what to call a tackling dummy, whatever you want to call <laughs> The pads. The pads. There you and, go. You're holding uh, the pads. You know what's funny is I've learned so much from you about saying no 
recently a young man who went to school, we may have coached together at some time, you know, approached me and said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm working my way through college. I'm selling this stuff. I'd really like to just, you don't have to buy, but would you let me present to you? So I let him come to my house. And, oh, my gosh, it was like sitting through a multi-level marketing uh, a sales pitch, you know, and in the end he told me how much the cutlery cost. And I'm like, well, you got your experience in because I'm not buying. <laughs> I mean, I looked him straight in the eye. I'm like, dude, I told you. I was adamant. I'm not looking to buy anything right now, man. And he came in and pitched me for over 45 minutes. And I, I just said, credit. thanks for coming in. You no. Me. <laughs> no. Dude, you know how much it cost for his knife set? I'm talking, you know, it was one of those rolled packages out of knives and all this stuff, you know, and it was impressive. He cut through a penny with a pair of scissors, okay? It was impressive. Over $1,200. I'm like, yeah, yeah, nah, nah. Well, I, you can go on TV and get one for 19.95, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. You know, uh, what, what is it that the Ginsu knives? One of my favorite lines I used to tell kids. I used to tell kids, man, you look so sharp. It looks like you were made by Ginsu knives. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh man. So, so anyway, the art of no. Yes, the art of no. I didn't. Uh, well, let's just say that that uh, yeah. So anyway, that's what I'm going to be doing for the next uh, three weeks. The first three weeks, you know, it's five days a week, right, because of the rules. You have to have X amount of conditioning hours, and and then you can, uh, like, like right now, it's just the helmet. And shorts and a shirt. You got to do that for X amount of days. I can't imagine wearing anything anything more in this heat. It's, it's great. It is still July. It it was a hundred and seven or eight o'clock at four o'clock in the afternoon yesterday alone. You know, I'm telling you, we live in Arizona, and I think all of it's us. Nuts. It's it really nuts. makes no sense. There's so the positive spin on this from my wife, who by the way wasn't out there. Yeah, she was, knows what she's doing. That, she knows the power of no. <laughs> was that the five days a week will be over right as school starts. So at least when school starts, she'll only have practice a couple of days a week. And so she was happy because it, it seems like it starts earlier and earlier. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to start this early. Well, you got to start this early if you want to win that championship. Yes, well, that's the whole thing because, you know, apparently the big goal is, hey, we can go to Florida. Who cares about Florida? Major Radio News Hour. We'll be back. You say yes. Radio News Hour on a Tuesday. Yes, the uh, I don't know the the reason I was told as to why we have to start so early is because we, we need to be on the same schedule as the rest of the country because you can play the proverbial I don't know thirteen year old tackle football championship game in Florida in December. And, and you know what? It's July 
and they're going to play till December. Yeah. That's a long old season, man. We're talking so many holidays between now. You got Labor, you got Halloween, well, the season you got actually, our season, you got right, The Christmas. funny part is it's over. I want to say right around Halloween. That's when the season's over and yeah, they don't and go they to Florida. They have the playoffs and the All-Stars and blah, blah, blah. And, and the financial commitment by the parents has to be well, here's to the, the roof. Here's the funny part. It's 500 bucks, And I'm not counting buying the cleats. The I'm not talking about buying gloves, right, because every kid now has to have the gloves and the mouthpiece. But just the just the play on the team. And they do provide... Uh, this particular team will provide a helmet and shoulder pads, $500, just to play on the team. Not to mention any, like I said, other costs for the equipment not provided. Not to mention, obviously, you know, gas or, you know, when it's your time for a snack or whatever and all that other stuff. But then, for the privilege of and I, you know, I got, I'm fortunate. My son is a very good player, and this is—he's on a—I'll call it a semi-all-star team. This is a a a bunch of kids um, from all over the valley playing on the same team together. But then you you find out, you know, if you happen to be lucky enough to be able to go to Florida, well, there's another cost for that. There's another. Eight hundred dollars for your son to go. Oh, you're so lucky, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. But then the, the, that's the cheap price, right? Because then was that that's just for the kid to go. And it's just how did we get here, right? It's just it, it's incredible to think about, you know. And all as I can relate it to is my my dad when I was growing up, he ran the little league in our little town, and, and outside of Syracuse, he was the he ran the league, and you'd have the little registration, and and uh, so I paid attention to that kind of stuff. And I remember it was ten dollars, ten bucks to have your son join a baseball team. a baseball team. And right? I, the I, league team. I remember, I remember uh, doing the same thing in Rupert, Idaho, and the coaches, whoever's dad was the coach, they went and they just drew kids out of a hat. Yeah, yeah, right? the little draft. And, and, and the little drafting. And, uh, you know, it's not like we had tryouts. I don't remember having tryouts. We, we didn't have any tryouts. Here's what happened. You you got your kid. Right. You were a coach, coach. And you had an assistant coach. You got his kid. Right. And then they went through, at least in our league, there was only, you know, we were a, a smaller town. And so maybe each age group had between, say, four and six teams. Right. Okay. Usually the coach's kids were some of the better players. Right. And there's only a few more better players. So maybe they'd go a couple of rounds. Okay, you, I'm getting this kid, and I'm getting that kid. This. And then after that, it was just here. Here, you get these five, these five, these five. You know you know what was interesting about the One rule that they had in our hometown, because high farming community, okay, was if there were brothers or sisters or whatever the case may be, they had to be on the same team. To make it yes. convenient for yes. the parent. Anyway, the same same rule applied, with right? Us. If you had like for one year, my older brother and I were in this because you know they had age groups. So for one year, my older brother and I were in the same division. Well, we were a package deal. So if you had one of us, you got both of us. See, and one of the things that H and K Electric got was the Lopez Trio. 
you had uh, Javi, the Xavier, you had Romero, my, my brother Amito, and then me. And I'm telling you, we were a motley crew of Little League baseball players that, like in the Bad News Bears, we like to talk a lot. <laughs> we backed our playing up with Jabberjaw. I was catcher, and I was just like in the show. I talked to every batter that came up about it. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Your mom's really pretty. Man, just whatever. <laughs> you know, just whatever I could do to get under somebody's skin. But anyway, I, that, that's literally. But, you know, and you know what's funny is, so you're talking about football and Florida and Little right. League and all this stuff. You know, next month, with the, or in the next couple of weeks, the Little League World Series starts on television. And I remember when Austin, my son, played in the 12-year-old, you know, up here in Anthem, and they made it to regionals. and Well, first state, and then we went to California with that baseball team. And I'll just tell you, the expense just to get to that level, because you have to go through regionals and all this stuff, they, hotels, gas, meals. You know, just the expense. And then if we had won, we would have had to buy him plane tickets, hotel stay at, what, where did they play at, Cooperstown? They, they, no, no, they play Pennsylvania. in Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah. I can't remember what city, but they, they you know. I can't believe I don't remember right now. It's, I'm drawing a blank. It's killing me that I don't know because I watch it every, I mean, you have teams come from Canada for that. Yeah, from all, Japan, Japan, all over the world. From China, from Saudi Arabia. They have teams from all over the world come to that. Imagine those parents in the other countries. It's All right, fun- I'm going to stop complaining now. It's a fundraiser world, folks, and that's how we do it. Yeah, well, the fundraiser is it comes out of my wallet. But uh, anyway, that that was what happened from, from yesterday to today, and I was getting ready, and I'm doing the show, getting preparing for the show uh, this morning, and one of the things that happened while I was gone was the, the president, I guess his... Uh, economic advisory team or his budget team, whatever it was, released the new deficit numbers for 2016. And, you know, we're already in July. July, August, September 2016, at least fiscally, is over at the end of September for the federal government. And then technically, 2017 starts the first day of October. And they came out and they said, hey, we've got a new pr- projection for the 2016 budget deficit, $600 billion for fiscal year 2016. That's about $162 billion more than the budget deficit was this time, or was for 2050. And outside of 2009, 10, 11, 12, and 13, it would be the largest budget deficit ever outside of those four years, which three of those four years we racked up. Again, what they said, $1.4 to $1.2 trillion. Uh, the actual numbers were far more than that. But I actually went and looked at the government. Would they actually tell you on television what the numbers are? Because right. I've been telling you now for a while, you do realize that those are fake numbers. Like that, the $600 billion, that's not the real number. You do realize that. And it's and it took me, and I've been doing this for a long time, and it even took me a while to, to finally figure out, hey, they're not even telling us the real number. So I went all the way back to 1971. 
Because in 1971, when Richard Nixon closed the gold window, the budget deficit for the entire country stood at $400 billion. So you think, go back from the point of inception of this country, go all the way to 1971, not quite 200 years, and we only had $400 billion total. Now, this year, the fake number is going to be $600 billion. Now, you would hope that if we were using pretend numbers, sometimes the pretend number would be more, sometimes the pretend number would be less. No. Always the pretend number is a number that is really less than the actual amount. So I said to myself, I wonder how much less it's really been. Because I was curious. Sure. Right? And I'm like, okay. Well, in 1971, I was one. So I didn't go, I probably should have went back to the, from right when I was born, but I used 1971 because this is a very important date for all of us. This is truly the starting point of fiat money that just went parabolic. It's like yesterday, I warned all of you, I told all of you, listen, this is a financial problem. You can call it whatever you want, but at the end of the day, the real issue is it's a financial issue. We've overspent, we've overdebted, we've overpapered the entire world. So I went and, and, and went, you know, the, the internet, let's face it, it's a great thing. You can actually find the numbers. Go look them up. Somebody actually has been nice enough to write down all of the quote-unquote reported numbers, even those surplus numbers from the Clinton years. Remember those. Matter of fact, I still see charts in really what I would call prestigious publications that will use these charts that show the fake surpluses like they actually happen. So I added up every year, 1972, 1973, 74, 85, 86, 87, 98, 99, 01, 02, 03, 04. I added them all up. Now, we do know a couple of things. One, we know the current deficit as it sits right now is 19 point something trillion. That's something is probably going to be, you know, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, trillion dollars at the end of this year. So I should be able to add up all these deficits that they told us about. They put them out on TV and they 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 clap and cheer if it's a good number and they all act concerned if it's a big number. And I should be able to, you know, add up about 19, a little over $19 trillion worth of reported numbers. Right? 
You should. It's sure. it, math. You add it right. up. Math, right? One plus one is two. Right. So if I got, let's keep it simple. I got 19.4 trillion. Well, I know the point four, right? Because that was all the deficits up to 71. I should be able to get 19 trillion dollars. But it should come out to. Didn't even get to 12. And I, I put the 600 billion for this year on the number. Because that number isn't technically isn't out yet. That only gets us to about 11.7 trillion dollars. Is the rest interest? And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm sitting there going, well, let's see. Hmm. I know about 400 billion. So let's call that, you know, 12 trillion dollars. I need 19 trillion. I'm missing about seven trillion dollars worth of stuff. <laughs> and that's a whole lot of stuff. And the funny part is, is guess when most of the lying has taken place? In right? the last two administrations? Well, the last, about the last 20 years. Last 20 years? We've witnessed where most of the lying has taken place. But I just thought, you know, here we are, we're living in this world of, you know, we, we can have the ability to have the most accurate information ever possible. Right? We've got the computers. we got all this stuff. And, and we talk about earnings. We talk about Wall Street. You know, you read, you read all the stories about how none of these companies of the S&P 500, that only, what was the number? I don't even remember the number. It was something like 20 companies total, maybe even been less than that, actually use generally accepted accounting principles to get their numbers. All the rest of the companies report fake numbers. And the people on TV spit that out to you like, hey, here's the facts. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Caterpillar today did this in the great job. Uh, we had fake earnings of a dollar a share. What were our real earnings? Nobody cares. Welcome back, Patriot Radio News Hour, 800 951 You can do this for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. But the, the realities are that this is kind of the new world that we live in, where let's not acknowledge what's really happening. Right? You look at uh, the Democratic National Convention. You know that not one single person, person mentioned ISIS yesterday there? Isn't not, that not, interesting? Not, not one time. Right? Oh, ooh, or securing our borders or securing yeah. our country. We don't even know that. Oh, another another person. Oh, some I don't know if you saw the latest. Uh, some priest in France uh, got his. I don't know if they cut his head off. I know they slit his throat, and uh, ISIS has claimed responsibility for that this morning. Uh, but this is kind of the new, and I don't know how it got this way. I think a lot of it has to do with all of these channels that are quote unquote dedicated to your financial well being. Right, and really what they're dedicated to really is generating profits for themselves, and it's all controlled by these companies, right? And they do all the advertising and all that stuff on it. And, and you know, you, you start thinking about, well, if we're lying about what the deficit is. I mean, I guess you could take a couple. Why would they lie? First of all, why would they give a number that isn't accurate? 
I'm scratching my head. I don't know. Why? Why, well, do I think the answer's Why are they covering up? Right. Well, because we don't want you to know the real story. We don't want you to know how bad things really are? There you go. Right? Because if you did, if you really knew, you may do something about it. It's like they come out, uh, who was it? Martin Feldstein. He's uh, one of Ben Bernanke's professors at Harvard. You know, He's a Nobel laureate and all of this and that. He actually wrote an article. See, when he comes out on the TV, he's all, you know, blue sky and, and caviar and champagne dreams and all that stuff on TV. But he wrote an article about, is America going bankrupt? And, and he, even this guy, well, you know, right now, the, the deficit to GDP number, it's only at 75%. And you get to 75% if you use their fake numbers. We already know the real number is $19.4 trillion right now, which means it's over 100% of GDP right now. And they say by 2046, it's going to be, in fake numbers, a 146% of GDP, which means in real numbers, it'll be almost 300% of GDP. And his final calculation is, well, yes, America is going bankrupt. And then you start hearing, you know, you start thinking about other things. Pension funds. Right, because when you look at where most of the what we'll call the Wall Street money is, a lot of it is in these pension funds. You know, the one in California, Calpers comes to mind. We talk about Illinois and New Jersey. Uh, every once in a while, we'll talk about Pennsylvania or Michigan, New York. Wall Street Journal this morning: long-term returns for U.S. Public pensions. These are all your government workers. These are all your teachers. These are all the people at the colleges, all the city, state, police, fire. I mean, that you start adding up, that's a lot of the workforce, right? Absolutely. Right? That's that's probably you know, at least 20, 25% of all the workforce in the country. They are expected to drop to the lowest levels, the returns for public pensions, expected to drop to the lowest levels ever recorded. Now, I'm thinking back to, you mean they did better at the height of the financial crisis than they did this year? And according to the Wall Street Journal, that's exactly what they're saying. They're saying that deeper pain now coming for states and cities as the $1 trillion funding gap <laughs> is widening. So I guess add another trillion to the number, right? There's another trillion we don't have. It says 20-year annualized returns for public pensions in the United States are poised to decline once the fiscal 2016 results are released in the coming weeks. 
Now, of course, most of these people were using numbers, right? They got them from Wall Street. They were having returns of 8, 9, some of them as high as 10%. This, this is going to mark the lowest mark ever recorded. They've been doing this tracking statistic. They started it in 2001. And they said the first year they did it, the return was 12.3%. They say the return today is down. Now, this is not what they're going to get this year, but this, this is a 20-year average is now below 7.5%. But the, the interesting thing that Wilshire said was what the returns are expected to be for the next 20 years. They said that the dip is intensifying. In other words, that means it's getting worse. It says that the debate over whether states and st- cities can continue to offer pension obligations as the soaring costs are squeezing budgets across the United States, it says that many states, not a couple, not a few, but many states and local government will be facing difficult choices <laughs> if investment returns remain low. They say the money's got to come from somewhere. Unfortunately, they don't know where that somewhere is going to be. And so as we start looking at what I was starting on yesterday, this is a financial problem. You can use fake numbers. You can use real numbers. You can use some sort of number in between. And it really doesn't matter which number you use. Even the fake numbers are terrible. $600 billion? That's not a good number. I find it so interesting that you sit there and say that, you know, they're not using what every company that does hiring for accounting, for accountants, for CFOs, generally approved accounting practices. Our federal government doesn't bother with it. I gotta wonder what some of these guys are doing. I went to college to learn how to do things right. And I actually had to get a real job in the real world to learn how to do them like a crook. Tomorrow, the Federal Reserve is going to tell us how they feel the state of the economy is in. They'll take all of their fake numbers, and they'll tell you that, oh, no, we're doing okay. It's not great. Don't get me wrong. It's not great. You think they'll tease us with the rate increase no. sometime this year? I think they're going to tease us with it. Well, they'll tease they'll us say, with the, well, we're, potential. It's on the table. It's on the table. Listen, now, it is on the table. It really is. Okay? But it's on the table, buried under a stack of newspapers about six feet hot. So it's on there. I mean, they're not lying. I mean, it it is on the table. But really, when you think about it, do you know why the deficit, the fake deficit, is only going to be $600 billion? And right? And the president. Now, President Obama 
will have a record that unfortunately is going to be broken by somebody after him. It'd probably be, unfortunately for us, whether it's Hillary or Donald, that the deficit, the real deficit, not the fake one, the real one, in his eight years in office, will have gone up over $9 trillion. He'll just miss, I think he's just going to miss $10 trillion by, by, you know, a whisker. So almost $10 trillion in eight years. <laughs> when you think about that, that, we only had three years where they said the deficit was even over a trillion dollars. Yet, general math says, hey, pretty much every one of those years should have been. But neither here nor there. The reason why it's only $600 billion instead of, I don't know, $1.6 trillion is because the federal funds rate is at 0.25, or it's at almost zero. The interest we're saving on the deficit right now is the only reason that they can even come out with a straight face and tell you, oh, the deficit's not that bad. We can't even get anybody to talk about it. But real or fake, it doesn't matter. This, it's the biggest financial crisis the world will ever see. And we're all going to have ringside seats for it, whether we like it or not. I mean, when you really think about, hey, even with 10-year note yielding 1%, we still got a deficit, a fake one, of $600 billion. The problem is the real one closing in on a trillion. And by the way, that number, that fake number, is going to be higher in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. Yeah, what I'm getting the new at. president that's walking in, the new administration that's going to be in they, can do. they can't do anything about it. And, man, they are, they're going to promise to fix everything. Well, How do they fix that? Well, can they, they be can explode the deficit even more. And all of these negative rates, I've been telling you what's really happening and how these banks are hemorrhaging and suffering. Do you know even our banks? are suffering. Do you know that, you know, most of the banks, I guess, reported earnings while I was gone. Do you know what the average return, and I'm talking about the big one, Morgan, J.P. Morgan, Wells, City, B of A, barely over 2%. That's it. Matter of fact, they said this quarter, this last quarter, their percentage that they earned was lower than when the Fed raised rates in December. And raising rates is is supposed to help the bank's profitability. And one of the things I've been telling you about is, hey, all of these negative rates forces these banks and puts them under extreme pressure. 
Right now, the Italian banks need a bailout. Apparently, while I was gone, Portugal says, hey, wait, if you bail out the Italian banks, bail us out too. And then over the last two days, we've had two major banks in Europe now threatening to do exactly what I told you was going to happen. They are going to start charging for deposits. It started uh, it, with the Netherlands. ABN Ambro said that they have sent letters to their business clients we're going to start there. Business gets hit first. All you small business guys, get ready. That they will have, be forced to start charging for their deposits. Because otherwise, they, they're not going to be solvent. You do understand that. When the rates are negative, the banks can't make any money. And then this morning... Royal Bank of Scotland came out and said that if the Bank of England goes to negative rate, it will absolutely start charging customers for their deposits. And you start thinking about the vicious cycle that we're in, and this is why I tell you, it's a financial problem. If they actually start raising rates, think about this. All of a sudden, they decide, let's shift, or we got to start raising rates. Otherwise, all these banks are going to be insolvent. People are going to go nuts if the banks start charging them to put their money into the bank. Then all of a sudden, all of these deficits, the, even the fake ones that are, oh, it's not that bad, explode. Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. Final segment, Patriot Radio News Hour. 800-951-0592. I guess I should go on vacation more often because I'm seeing things so much more clearly right now. Hey, that's what you that's what you right? go for, man. You go, you decompress, I mean, the fog removes, here you go. Now you get to see the ugliness that's really out there. <laughs> I can see the ugliness so much more clearly now. Oh, yes, you can. So, I mean, we can either run deficits of... $1.5 to $2 trillion. That would be right now. By the way, don't worry, we're going to get there regardless of whether rates are negative or not. Right? To make that look better. Or we can jack up or, or keep the rates low, right? Kill the bank. Keep late rates low. And eventually cause a banking crisis again. Right, negative rates and all this stuff, and who knows? And and really, here's what we do know: that only will work for a little while. And eventually, right, you only can suppress things and put pressure on things for so long before they what? When you put a lot of pressure on something, you keep putting the pressure on. Eventually, what? It explodes. Goes stuff goes flying everywhere. That's what's going to happen. And, and you, we just don't know when it's going to be. But the, here's what, here's what, at least for me, here's what I know. This thing's a lot closer. And by a lot closer, I'm, I'm talking, you know, I'm not talking decades. I'm not talking 2046. And I'm not talking 2026. 
I mean, we're we're in the in the uh, the very late innings of this thing, and it's going to go the other way. But that's where you know why you're starting to hear a lot of very very smart people warning, telling you, make sure you are protected, make sure you own gold, make sure you have your silver in your portfolios, and and this is where we come in at eight hundred. Nine five one zero five nine two. I have a really unique special today. It's just a great opportunity. I have another fifty one tenth ounce American Gold Eagle proofs. These are the ones that come in the little box, right, with the certificate of authenticity. Uh, you can buy them directly for the mint. I want to say they're like $185 from the mint. When they have them, they're usually sold out of them because they don't make that many of them. Right now, a regular one-tenth ounce American Gold Eagle is $161 for $4 more. That would make them $165. You can pick up a one-tenth ounce American Gold Eagle proof coin in its box, the blue velvet box with its certificate at $165. The only catch is I only have 50 of them available. Uh, take advantage. I mean, this is something where uh, normal wholesalers, in other words, if I was to... to to be selling a normal wholesale cost runs about between $275 to $325 over spot. So you kind of do the math there, $1,300, add $300, that, that $1,600, that tells you cost is about $160, $162. So just a fantastic opportunity on proof one ten thousand American Gold Eagle. 800 951 